Let us be attentive. Sing praises to our God, sing praises. Clap your hands, all you nations. Wisdom. The reading is from the Acts of the Apostles. Let us be attentive. In those days, as Peter went here and there among them all, he came down also to the saints that lived at Lydda. There he found a man named Aeneas, who had been bedridden for eight years and was paralyzed. And Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Rise and make your bed. And immediately he rose, and all the residents of Lydda and Sharon saw him, and they turned to the Lord. Now there was at Joppa a disciple named Tabitha, which means Dorcas. She was full of good works and acts of charity. In those days she fell sick and died. And when they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. Since Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples, hearing that Peter was there, sent two men to him, entreating him, Please come to us without delay. So Peter rose and went with them, and when he had come, they took him to the upper room. All the windows stood beside him, the widows stood beside him weeping, and showing tunics and other garments which Dorcas made while she was with them. But Peter put them all outside and knelt down and prayed. Then, turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, rise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hand and lifted her up. Then calling the saints and widows, he presented her alive. And it became known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. Peace be with you, the reader. Let us hear the Holy Gospel. Peace be with you all. The reading is from the Holy Gospel according to St. John. Let us be attentive. that he 
said to him, Do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is troubled. And while I am going, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Rise, take up your pallet, and walk. And at once the man was healed, and he took up his pallet and walked. Now that day was the Sabbath, so the Jews said to the man who was cured, It is the Sabbath, it is not lawful for you to carry your pallet. But he answered them, The man who healed me said to me, Take up your pallet and walk. They asked him, Who is the man who said to you, Take up your pallet and walk? Now the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn, as there was a crowd in the place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you are well, sin no more, that nothing worse befall you. The man went away and told the Peace be with you who proclaim the gospel. Christos Anesti. Christ is risen. At the, book of the, at the beginning of the book of Deuteronomy, we are told that Israel's 40-year sojourn in the desert, which took place after the Lord God had delivered them out of Egypt. The story is explained there. After a couple years of their deliverance from that land of slavery, they came to a place called Kadesh Barnea, the hill country of the Amorites, which are described as a strong and mighty people. At this point of their journey, Moses said to the people, Behold, the Lord your God has set the land before you. Go up, take possession of it, as the Lord the God of our fathers has told you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Now, instead of trusting in the Lord, the people sent forth spies ahead of them to see what the land was like for themselves and to scope out their enemies. Sure enough, the spies saw a beautiful land replete with all sorts of fruit, but also when they saw the Amorites that had fortified cities and that they were men of great stature and strength. Then Israel began to murmur against God and doubt him, trusting rather in their own assessment of the situation rather than his. God then commanded them again through Moses, Do not be afraid or in dread. The Lord your God who goes before you will himself fight for you. 
just as he did for you in Egypt before your very eyes. But in spite of their first-hand experience of God's salvation and Moses' words, they would not believe. They would not hear. They would not trust. They would not obey. The Lord heard their rumblings and grumblings and saw their disobedience before him. Therefore, this time he says to them, Not one of these men of this evil generation shall see the good land which I swore to your fathers. After hearing the verdict of God, the people, of course, then decided to go up and fight the Amorites. But the Lord had warned them, Do not go fight now, for I am not in the midst of you. So what do they do? They went into the battle anyway, and they were defeated. The Lord spoke, but they did not hearken unto his words at first. They disobeyed once again. They rebelled against the command of their God. Therefore the Lord turned them back into the wilderness, into the direction of the Red Sea, from whence they had come to wander for another 38 years. 38 years the people of Israel were in the desert because of their disobedience until finally they came upon water, the brook Zered. But by that time, the disobedient generation itself had died off, as Deuteronomy reads. And the time from our leaving Kadesh Barnea until the crossing the brook Zered was 38 years, until the entire generation, that is, the men of war, had perished from the camp, as the Lord had sworn to them. Then the Lord God spoke to a new, obedient generation, saying, Now rise up and go over the brook Zered. And so Israel crossed over. So you might be wondering why I am sharing this particular story from the Old Testament to you on this morning. The fact is there is a direct relationship between the gospel reading and the healing of the paralytic which was declared today in our hearing, and this story that I have related to you from Deuteronomy. As Jesus came to the pool called Bethesda, he saw a paralytic who had been ill for 38 years. But why does St. John the Evangelist tell us this specific detail? Why 38 years? It is because this paralysis... This illness is to remind us of a disobedient people, the stubborn, unbelieving Israel of old, which was forced to wander for 38 years in the desert until that evil generation had died, never to see the land of promise. The Christian virtue of obedience is not something many people like to hear about. The word obedience kind of conjures up all sorts of uncomfortable feelings and thoughts, as if obedience were something bad and foreign to our lives as Christians. In the secular modern world, rebellion and radical individualism are the virtues of today. We are taught to listen to no one but ourselves and do only what we think is right 
deference and submission to any authority whatsoever is outright rejected by and large. And yet, as children of God, we are called to a very life of obedience, our Lord Jesus himself being the supreme model of obedience, who became obedient unto death, even death on a cross, as it is written in St. Paul's letter to the Philippians. Everywhere the Holy Scriptures commend us to this virtue. Obedience to God, first and foremost, and to his commandments. Obey my voice, and I will be your God, and you shall be my people, and walk in all the ways that I command you, that it may be well with you, says the Lord in Jeremiah. Obedience to parents. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord, says St. Paul. Obedience to one another within the church. Be obedient to one another out of reverence for Christ, again writes St. Paul. Obedience to husbands. Wives, likewise, obey your own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, whose daughters you are, says St. Peter. Obedience to church authorities, as the epistle to the Hebrews tells us. Obey those who rule over you, and be submissive, for they watch over your souls as ones who need to give account. Looking even to the very, very early church, St. Ignatius of Antioch, the second bishop of Antioch of that great city, towards the end of the very first century, writes this for us. All of you are to follow the bishop as Jesus Christ follows the Father, and you are to follow the presbyters as the apostles. Respect the deacons as the command of God. Apart from the bishop, no one is to do anything pertaining to the church. We see everywhere in our holy tradition, the scriptures, the writings of the fathers, that obedience is taught as a supreme virtue from which proceed many, many blessings. One of my favorite stories from the sayings of the Desert Fathers, the recordings of those great Egyptian ascetics of old, talks about this particular man called St. John the Dwarf. One day, he goes up to his elder and he asks for something to do. What is your command? And the elder picks up a, a dried, withered, old, dead stick and he gives it to him. And he says, I'd like you to walk three miles out into the desert and plant the stick and come back. And so St. John says, with your blessing, Father. And he does it. He walks out, plants it, sticks it in the ground, and goes back. And he says, I have done so. Now what would you like me to do? He goes, now I'd like you every single day for the next three years, carry a bucket of water three miles out into the desert, water the stick, and come back. And so... St. John says, with your blessing, Father, I will do so. So out of obedience, without grumbling, without even questioning why, St. John does so. Day after day, even year after year, he does this six-mile round trip 
to water a dead stick. On the anniversary, on the third year, he goes there, and what does he find? He finds leaves, and he finds fruit growing from this once dead stick. He plucks a fruit, and he goes back, and he gives it to his elder, and he says, this is what I found. And so the elder takes this beautiful fruit, and he walks into the midst of the church in the middle of all the brethren, and he says, come, my fathers, take and eat the fruit of obedience. How many of us would have listened or obeyed such an absurd command? Because we would not be able to see the reason or the purpose with our own minds, we would doubt and undoubtedly disobey. And yet we are so often asked to do something, to do many things, by God, by the church, by our family, friends, spouses, not nearly as irrational as planting a dead stick in the middle of the desert, and we complain and we decline to obey, refusing to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, thus depriving ourselves of the precious fruit and spiritual benefit. Remember that it was through disobedience that Adam was expelled from paradise. It was through disobedience that the Israelites of old wandered for 38 years in the desert. Through disobedience to the gospel of Christ itself, the Jews lost their inheritance should we suffer such a fate. Disobedience, brothers and sisters, whether to God or to his church, to our spiritual leaders, parents, or spouses, or to one another, is presented to us this day in the gospel as a spiritual paralysis. It is an illness in need of repentance, for this illness will ultimately be unto death as the disobedient Israelites died and never entered into the promised land. This is what is meant by Christ's words when he says to the healed paralytic, See, you are well. Sin no more, that nothing worse befall you. Why indeed was the paralytic healed? Because even though Jesus gave him a seemingly irrational and absurd command to rise, take up your bed, and walk, he unhesitatingly obeyed. And he did as the Lord had asked. We know the great example of Abraham who obeyed God when he called him out of his own homeland to a distant, unknown, and foreign country and was therefore exceedingly blessed. Noah must have looked like a fool to his peers, building this gigantic boat, but because he obeyed the word of God, he was then himself and his family spared and saved from the flood. The paralytic Abraham Noah, none of them questioned God. They simply did as he had asked them to do. Obedience comes from a true faith and a real deep trust that the Lord knows what he is saying and that he knows what he is doing and that he knows what he is bringing into our own lives. Even though we cannot see the rationale behind, let's say, his commandments, therein lie blessings so great that we can't even imagine them. This is what a beautiful contemporary saint, St. Siloan, says about obedience. 
Rare are they who know the mystery of obedience. The obedient man is great in the sight of God. He follows in the footsteps of Christ, who is himself and in himself gave us the pattern of obedience. The Lord loves the obedient soul and affords her his peace, and then all is well, and the soul feels love towards all people. What peace is found when we simply do as we are asked? What turmoil is created in the soul when we question why and argue and become obstinate? So therefore, brothers and sisters in Christ, let's practice holy obedience in all things as much as possible, imitating, first and foremost, Jesus Christ to receive his rich blessings. And even that blessing and grace of the Holy Spirit himself. As St. Peter and the Apostles say in the book of Acts, we are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. To God be the glory forever. Christ is risen.